I have with me the one, the only, one of the smartest white men on this side of heaven. Bill Lockwood is here, our friend, friend of the organization and everything. And Bill Lockwood is a uh, writer, a radio host for American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, a now retired teacher at Wichita Falls, Texas, and preacher of our part, Church of Christ. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Jesse. How are you this morning? All is well, sir. How are you? Very good. Good to talk with you again. Thank you. I, uh, and I want to talk to you about the educational system. Uh, but first, I want to get how are you seeing things and what do you think about the people, any opinion about the people who are running, who will have announced that they are running for president on the Republican side? Well, uh, pertaining to some of them, uh, Nikki Haley, I'm not in favor of her. I think mm-hmm. she's more of a globalist, of a more of a George Bush type of person. Uh, I like Donald Trump. And I, I think but. uh one of the reasons I like him is because the left hates him so much. And I think, well, he must be, he must be <laughs> doing something good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I like Ron DeSantis as well. I don't know that um, he has quite uh, what Trump does. I think Trump's going to be able to uh, get more done. That's my, my opinion on it. But I think that um, I think Donald Trump is a little bit more bold on some of his stances. Yeah. I like Vivek Ramaswamy real well. I have, um, I have read a couple of his books, and I think, boy, he is really sharp. I appreciate his stance for freedom, for life, for liberty. Uh, but at any rate, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I do prefer Donald Trump. Yeah. I want to talk to you about Texas Education Agency, better known as TEA, taking over Houston Independent School District. But first, I want to play this soundbite and get you to respond to it. This is a video, State Education Commissioner Mike Morath talking about the takeover. This is from KHOU. The board, but the board as a governing body has not consistently prioritized the needs of children. Um, if, if it did, then you wouldn't see a decade or more of, of, of low achievement at some campuses that has been allowed because you would you would see the resource allocation or structures of support um, uh, done to prioritize meeting those needs above all else. It'll, it's essentially a shift in local control from the current locally elected board to an appointed board of nine. Um, they then have all the, the, the duties and obligations to govern the school system like any governing body in the state of Texas. That they can make decisions related to resource allocation within the school system so that kids at, uh, at every school, not just some schools in Houston, but at every school have access to rigorous extracurricular activities, to advanced uh, coursework. It is as if this system has a life of its own and without um, some oversight at the top that is specifically trying to redirect the energies of that system so that they can better support kids, you will just continue to see it. I want to be clear about something. Who appoints these board of managers? Me. Is it fair to take over a district of 274 schools based on the failure of one school? It, I think, gets to these basic ideals and principles about how education is supposed to work. What if education works for some but not all? Is that acceptable? 
is that something we should simply allow? So it, this 200 plus year experiment in democracy that we have um, is something I'm mighty proud of, as are I think most Americans. And so th that is important. But you know, we live in a country that was uh, founded on the principles that speak to the highest ideals of man, that all men are created equal, that we're endowed with certain rights. School, public school in particular, is the deliverer of those rights. It is what equips young Americans to pursue the American dream. Amazing. So, Bill, I'm black and slow, and I want to make sure I'm understanding this in the right way. So if I'm reading this right, in Houston, Texas, there's one school district where the kids are failing. And that, that school is predominantly black. They have like three or four That's white kids there, and they're predominantly black. But the rest of the district, the schools are doing pretty good with the white kids. And so this agency... Are they saying they're going to take over all the schools or just this one school that's failing? No, they're taking over the entire district, uh, the 274 schools in the Houston ISD, and they're going to take over that district, uh, the entire district, So uh, because of the failing schools. So that that was uh, uh, what I understood the questioner there to be asking. Yeah. Is it, is it fair to take over the entire district when you only have one failing school and they don't have just one failing school uh, they have a couple of schools that were mentioned in, in an article uh, not only the Wheaton High School but another high school as well so um, but uh, the facts the facts are very clear that they the schools are failing in some of those minority populations so the one school Wheaton High School has approximately 50 percent uh, black and 50 percent uh, Hispanic and about two or three white students and and one i think one asian american student and that school is uh, abysmally failing in the test scores and why is it failing so mike morath his position is and this is this is this is the position of people who go through the higher education and are in the administrative capacities of the schools. They're all sold on the, on the concept that we have not provided enough resources. We've not provided enough money. We don't give them enough opportunities. We don't give them a, enough out of school opportunities to learn and to enjoy education. So that of course is a crock. That is, that is, a, a big, bold, fat, socialistic lie. Because, for example, the schools in Washington, D.C. have more money per capita students, uh, uh, per capita, more money given to those school systems than any school in the entire country. And yet the scores are abysmally lower than the rest of the country. Why is that the case? It's not about access to resources. It's not, and when they say resources, that means you've got to give more money. Yeah. It's not about more resources. It's not about more programs. It's not about, it's not about better curricula because that's what he's talking about. He said, we got to get a better curriculum in there. It's not about that at all. The reason they're failing is because of a couple of things. Number one, uh, number one, the minority population does not value education. 
and that comes back to the home. They do not value education. That does not say that every minority student or every minority family is on the same track, but it is to say, by and large, the minority population does not value education. And the reason they don't value education goes back even further to a deeper problem, and that is they do not respect authority. They don't respect authority from a teacher. They don't respect authority from the police. They don't respect authority from God. They don't respect authority in the society as a whole. So that's the main problem. They don't respect authority in a father in a home because they don't have fathers in the home. So they're running wild on the streets and they run wild in the classroom. So that's, that's the essential problem that they're refusing to notice. Mike Morath refuses to notice it. And that's exactly what's taking place in the minority populations in the school systems in the state of Texas. And that is a lack of respect for authority. And number two, then, it comes back to the very fact that that is brought about because of a generalized welfare system in our society that has yeah. that has disincentivized work. It has disincentivized gratitude. It has disincentivized thankfulness and disincentivized respect for authority. And when, so for example, in classrooms that I've been in, there are many students, primarily the minorities that are in the discipline school that I have been in. And we talk about getting jobs and all that. What do they care? <laughs> They're going to get out. They're going to get money from you, more money by welfare as their parents have done why should they work? Well, it's a matter of self-pride. I tell you what, if it was a matter of survival, they would. Yeah, but yeah. That's not, we're past that, see? So the welfare system has destroyed the work ethic and it destroyed lack of authority, respect for authority. And that's what Mike Morath refuses to acknowledge here. And he thinks it's a lack of resources. We're going to take it over and that kind of thing. No. That's not going to do it. That's not going to, that's not going to, that's not going to be. Matter of fact, here's something else interesting to think about while I'm, while I'm preaching on it. <laughs> LBJ back in 1963 or four said, okay, we've got to have a welfare system. Particularly he was talking about the black population because he said that they have been so far um, not recognized and not given uh, not given a leg up and they're not given advantages. And so we can't put them on the, now his wording was you can't put them on the starting block of a race and expect them to do as good as the white man when they have been so disadvantaged through history. All right. That was in 64. Mike Morath just said the same thing right here. So we've been doing it from 1964. We've been pouring money, billions of dollars of welfare, welfare in the, welfare system, educational welfare, educational advantages into the same in the same minority populations. And he still says the same thing. They just are disadvantaged and we and they don't have advantage enough. So that's that's what's happening. It's amazing that they blame it on assets instead of uh, instead of the home problem. They don't talk about the home problems at all. No. And and the reason they don't because they don't want the blacks to have families. They don't want them the fathers in the home because they need the blacks to be out of control like this so they can use them to usher in socialism, 
to get more money and power. That's why they don't talk perceived power, but that's why they don't talk about the real problem. And the real problem is in the home. It starts in the home first. When I was growing up, the uh, the blacks have families. They have fathers and mothers in the home. And, and for the most part, at least in the South, they were going to all black schools for the most part. And yet they did very well. They graduated. They went to college. Those that wanted to go, they started businesses. They did well with little or no government in their lives than they are today with all this money and government, everything but the family. They don't want the blacks to have a family. That is exactly correct. They, they have displaced the family with a government, and the government is a, is a poor substitute for a family. And that's, as a matter of fact, not only a poor substitute, but it has actually destroyed the entire ethical system in the minority community. Yeah. So that's why we're seeing lack of ethics, lack of morality, lack of mores in, a, in, a, in the society and it's, it's spreading all across society right now, but particularly in the minority communities, Chicago, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, Portland. You see all these places erupting with the same problem. Houston is the same thing. It's a huge minority population there, but this welfare system has absolutely eroded over a period of time the entire ethical system that they have. And so when they come into grade school, Jesse, even in kindergarten and first and second grade, they're disruptive in the classroom. Yeah. They're disrespectful to the teacher. They use vile and foul language. No one can do anything about it. The administration tells you to keep them in the classroom. If you send them out, then you're the problem as a teacher. And that's continuing to, and it just steamrolls the entire system. I noticed that the liberals always say that blacks are under, underserved. As those, there's some handicapped people rolling around in a wheelchair and they can't do for themselves. And why, I mean, you said this has been going on since Lyndon B. Johnson. I am aware of that. What's wrong with the blacks that they don't say, you know what, stop treating me this way. I'm not, I'm not going to accept this anymore. I, if you can do it, I can do it. Why do they go from generation to generation? And they, and I think I know the answer as I'm asking. And they see that their children are falling apart. Nothing is getting better. Why don't the blacks say no to the government? Well, for one thing, it's once you have people on the dole, yeah. it's almost impossible to get them off. And our founding fathers warned us of that. Uh, conservative presidents such as Ronald Reagan warned us of that. You get people on the dole, on the government, on the government dole, and the government dependency, then it's very, very, very difficult to remove that dependency, because you have created a system now where they are, you know, you, they think they're entitled, and so it creates a system of entitlement. Yeah. It creates a system where they they think they're they they're owed it. And if you take it from them, you're taking my money, you're taking my iPhone, you're taking my stuff. That's that's the attitude. Well, no, it's not your money, it's not your <laughs> stuff. It's, it's just someone else's. That's right. So what's happened? Yeah. So what's happened is we've 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 reallocated. We've taken money out of the white population. We put it into the minority population, or I should say, perhaps uh, 
even the, the, the middle class and put it into the lower classes. We've been doing this for 50 years and it hasn't improved. It's simply gotten worse. And we can't seem to say, hey, back up. Let's go, let's, let's go back to something else instead of having a welfare system. And what we've done, we've taken money out of the, minor, uh, the middle class, put it in the minority class or the lower classes. And what happens? The middle class says, well, I can't afford to have children. I can only afford maybe one, maybe two, because I've got to pay, as I did, 25 years to have your kids. You got to pay the hospitals, the doctors, the pediatrician, blah, 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 blah. But I'm paying my tax money and I'm watching my high school kids, the minority kids come in and they have all children. They're 16, 15 year olds having children. They're children having children. I'm paying for that. What incentive do they have not to have another child? Yeah. They just have another one. They get another government check. And so now you've got another kid, another generation of kids who don't have fathers. They don't have discipline. They come into the classroom. They're disrespectful, disruptive. They're vile. They're filthy about their talk, their language. And it, it, it's absolutely horrendous. And that's what's happening in Houston. And Mike Morath knows that. I think they must instinct. He must instinctively know that. Yes. But he, there's just that's. They're t in the educational system to say, no, no, you can't, you can't go there. It's interesting, too. Some people blame the problem on segregation. or And, and that has nothing to do with the problem. No. Well, but they keep blaming it on that. They blame it on everything but the individual. I want to know, do these school takeovers actually work? Do they ever work when they take over like this? Well, I don't know any statistics on whether these these schools actually improve or not. But I do know this, that over a period of time, they have dumbed down the standardized tests yeah. so as that other, the kids below can pass those tests. They've dumbed it down, Jesse, so much so that the, you can look at a curriculum for the, for the Dallas Public Schools in 1940 and even the Bible curriculum, yeah, I said people are going to be shocked. Yeah, the Bible curriculum was more challenging than even we have in the churches today. So the same thing is the case regarding the curriculum, entire the, the entire curricula, because at that time, they, that was a tough educational system. But we have now backed up so much, we've dumbed it down, and they can't pass the tests. We pushed them on anyway because... They've got to have a, a social advancement. They got to go stay with their friends. You know, they can't, you can't keep them back in third grade when the rest of the friends are going to fourth grade. So we push them on. They get into junior high. They can't, they don't know the phonics. They don't know how to pronounce words. Now we have a huge, huge minority population coming in south of the border. And the same thing is going on with that in the Hispanic population. Same thing. You have, maybe not to the same degree, but you have exactly the same basic problem. And that is they don't, they don't have respect for authority. Many of them don't, they don't have, they don't have the basic ingredients to teach it, to, to learn. They don't teach them at home. If my child came home and, and my, and the teacher told me, and I go up to, I go up to the teacher at the parent conference teacher, a parent the teacher conference. And I would, he, the teacher, she would tell me, Here's what's going on with your child. Here's what your yeah. son Dan is is not doing. Well, I tell you what, you know what he would get when he gets home. We're going to get it. So I want to ask, ask, 
that guy, uh, Mike Morath, he mentioned that he will be appointing school board members there in Houston now. And But prior to that, him doing that, the school board members, were they voted in by the parents or were they voted in by someone that was running the school already? Well, normally the school board is, is voted in by a local election. And so the people, oh, yeah. parents and people, they're elected, they're popularly elected. And here's something interesting. Mike Morath said in, in an article here that, that I've reviewed in the past, and it's on, on, I put it on the New Stock 1290 website. Mike Morath said, the teachers are doing a great job. The administrators and the principals are doing great jobs. The principal of Wheaton High School is doing a great job. The students are doing great jobs. <laughs> All right. So if the, the administration, the teachers, the students are all doing great jobs, then where's the problem? But now he's acting, but he, he says that, throwing that out there, but well, we've got to take it over because somewhere there's big that breakdown of what's ha- taking place. How could that be? How could everybody's doing a great job? Even the <laughs> teachers and students are doing great jobs and yet they'll take it over. Yeah. Here's something else he said. Let me mention this real quickly, Jess. He said, well, we have to have a system that works for all. It, it, this one only works for some. It hasn't worked for all. Once again, okay, if we have great teachers and there's no problem there, and there's great administrators, no problem there, and the students are great, no problem there, why is it not working for all? The answer is they refuse to acknowledge the fact that you can have the best system in the world, the best curriculum, the best teachers, administrators, but there has to be cooperation with students themselves. The students themselves have to cooperate to learn. If a student doesn't want to learn, you can't teach them to learn. If they don't care, if they don't have respect for authority, if they don't, if they don't respect uh, the classroom, if they don't respect the other students in the classroom, you can't teach them. You can't put it in them. You're not going to do it. And Mike Morass not going to have any more success either. Either that or and it's going to have to be, they're going to have to lower the bar because they're not going to put that respect of authority for authority in the students. So interesting. It works for some, not all. No, it works for everyone. What's happening is the students themselves have to do the work. Yeah. And that's the problem. Amazing. Uh, um, I noticed, I mentioned earlier that they blame it on segregation, right? And I'm right. a little confused by that because when they say it's because of segregation, are they saying that the black teachers are not smart enough to educate black children that they need that that they need to put the blacks with the whites so that because the white teachers are smarter? Well, you know, that would be an implication of it, wouldn't it? Right. That, you know, somehow we've got we got a problem with some black teachers here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So their whole but their whole thing is, okay, we mix it up, then the then the white population is going to rub off on the black population and it's going to get, and they're going to get better. That, that is nonsense. Segregation has nothing to do with achievement. You, as a matter of fact, if you look at freedom, how do we, how do we organize our churches? There are churches that are white. There are churches that are black. There are churches that are mixed. We don't force churches 
to worship together. If they want to, that's great. I'm, I'm all for that. Right. I, I worshiped in a congregation that was a mixed congregation. I always have. But the, but there are many churches that are black churches. I worshiped at a black church in Marshall, Texas. I was the only white man there. <laughs> what the? I was the only white man there. <laughs> but they were great. They were my brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, and they were wonderful people. The truth of the matter is, however, people segregate naturally to themselves yeah. with people that are more like themselves, and that's what they prefer. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not sinful. It's not wrong. It's not a problem. It doesn't make people learn the Bible less in the churches because all oh, they're all blacks in the church. Therefore, the learning of the Bible is less. No, that's not true. And it's the same thing in the educational system. They don't not learn because of their segregation of a society. Amazing. I want to go back to the school board members uh, uh, placement. So now, if now that the people cannot vote will not be able to vote for the school board members and the government put in the people that they want uh, to represent the school board, that means that that's just more takeover from the government and the people are going to have less to say, right? Exactly. That's been going on since Jimmy Carter's period when, because we've taken everything to Washington, D.C., and so the National Education Association established, I believe it was during the Carter administration, so we took it to Washington, D.C., but people who are a little bit savvy on the Constitution recognize that it's completely unconstitutional, that there is no business for the federal government to take over education at all. So during that period, the government took it over. The, the, liberal, and the liberal ideas are trickling down all from NEA through the Texas Education Association in the state of Texas, and every state is like the similar results. As a matter of fact, it's so bad that the state of Oklahoma says, you know what, we're going to pull out of the NEA and the Oklahoma Education Association. We're going to pull out and do our own thing without oversight of federal government. Well, this is the opposite direction that Mike Morath wants to go in the TEA. He wants to take it to the state level because he thinks that bigger is better. That's not true. In Oklahoma, they said, you know what? We're going the opposite direction. We're going to get the federal government out of it. We're going to have local control and local schools where parents can have the idea. Uh -huh. The truth of the matter is that many administrators are on the liberal side of the political spectrum, and they believe that the children belong to the state and that they are state, they're state uh, dependents, and therefore we are the ones that are responsible for them and they belong to us. That's what many administrators believe. They don't believe they belong to the parents. Kamala Harris thinks, Hillary Clinton thinks, Obama says, these children belong to us. They're all of our, they're our, <laughs> they're our heritage. Yeah. No, <laughs> they're not. They don't belong to you. They belong to the parents. So it seems as though it's top down control instead of uh, bottom up control because Correct. that's amazing to me that this is happening and it seemed to be happening so easily without a real fight against it. It's just happening. Right. Right here in the state of Texas, see, right here in the state of Texas, which supposedly a conservative, a conservative bastion, this is exactly what we have going on. Yeah. We have exactly the same thing taking place. And so 
you know, it's not as conservative as people think in the state of Texas. Right. This kind of thing goes on all the time, this this kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, people t- think, think, okay, government solves it. Gov- no, government's the problem, and it always has been. That's why the founding fathers said you better limit your government and keep it in its box. If you don't, you're in trouble. The um, um, the government, oh, some people t- uh, uh, who are running to test it for safety thinking that Texas is more conservative, is conservative, right? But yep. the, the liberals and the Democrats or whomever they are, they are, they are really turning Texas blue, but yep. the people that are moving there don't seem to see that that is happening gradually and, and it's happening, and they don't seem to notice that. Why do you think that is? If they ran from liberalism, they are running right into the arms of it again, but they don't recognize that is happening and they're not really out there trying to stop it. Well, in my, my thinking is that most people don't take a big view picture. They don't take a, they don't yeah. take a wide scope picture. They're just interested in myself. I'm going to get out of California and I don't blame them. I had, right. I don't blame them that bad. Right. And they want to come to Texas where the, there is a more modicum of freedom. That's great. But at the same time, if you look at the big picture, we're bringing a lot of ideas and ideals from the left coast and the west coast right into uh, Texas. And so we have in Austin area is, is so liberal. Houston, so liberal. The big cities are so liberal. And it's just it's just continually to grow that way exponentially. And, and right now, as you say, Texas has turned purple. And we have, for example, we have one of the most conservative, strongest Trump-supporting District, uh, 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 not a district attorney, um, attorney general in the state of Texas, Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton just this week or this last week has been impeached by the Congress of the, the House of Representatives in the state of Texas. And that's Republican dominated because not everybody that's Republican is actually conservative. Yeah. yeah. And, and he has been the strongest anti Biden been the strongest against transgenderism, strongest freedom advocate, strongest Trump supporter, strongest sewer of the federal government for overstepping its boundaries. He's been probably one of the strongest AGs in the entire country, one of the best ones. And boy, this week they they've impeached him. And so they replaced him until his trial comes up in the Senate. You know very well they hate him. Amazing. (laughs) So, yeah. Bill, are there other people speaking out about the uh, educationist thing that's happening other than you, or are you the only one speaking out against it over there? Well, there are, there are other people also. Um, many, many of them, of course, um, are in the educational system, but you kind of you mute, mute your voice a little bit because you lose your job. But there are many other people that are very conservative speaking out. I have some good friends around the state who are very, very uh, strong supporters of conservative values and principles of freedom who speak out against the socialism in the schools. And um, so there's no hope for the country, right? It, it's just it's kind of over. Well, that's, you know what? That, that's it's looking more and more that way. Now, I know that the presidential candidates 
and they're going to be taking me to issue right now. But I'm happy. I'd be happy for Ron DeSantis to get on here with me and tell me why we're going to why we're going to pull this out. We've we've got an entire federal government that is unconstitutional in its actions, in its, in its grabbing authority, and now wicked in its takedown of Donald Trump. That's what this is all about. Yeah. The takedown of Donald Trump, whether it be the Department of Justice, FBI, CIA, the NEA itself is all against conservative conservative uh, politicians they're just it's absolutely out of control and how how are we going to turn that around well i don't know i i I don't know that's i just say you know we need to withdraw from the union basically i said we we need to we need to actually go our own uh because if you don't if you don't they're gonna they're gonna keep pushing you down that track so that's my thought on it i don't and I could be wrong. I can totally be wrong. I, I'm for Donald Trump as well, the great white hope. I don't see Ron, De, Ron DeSantis being able to, he, he, he's nice, you know, nice guy. But and he doing pretty well there in Florida. He's doing good there, even though that's kind of changing too a little bit. But I don't see Ron, I just don't see him as a president at this time. We definitely need someone that's strong and not afraid and can and don't have to be reading a piece of paper when he speaks. Just speak to the issue as Donald Trump. And then the fact that the rhino Republicans want Don, Ron DeSantis is a sign that we should not want him at this time because they want him and they only want him because they don't want Donald Trump and they feel like they can control Ron. Yeah. Well, you know what also, Jesse, just thinking about the big picture here, our founding fathers warned us that if you move into a democracy, then the next step is totalitarian government, a dictatorship of yeah. some sort. They said they they told us that they wrote about it. They stated it as clearly as can be stated. And yet, even on Fox News, they talk about democracy, democracy, democracy. Everybody believes we're in a democracy. It was never set up as a democracy. They warned us against a democracy. They told us if you get a democracy, the next step is totalitarian government. Communism, that's the next step. So we're in a democracy. We've been set up as a republic, so we moved, shifted over to a democracy. So now what? what? What's next? Our founding fathers said, you know what's next. The history of the world tells you what's next. Why would you think there's anything different here in America? Amazing. You know, I was thinking then, uh, uh, we're about to run out of time here, but I was thinking this morning as I think about this stuff, that over the weekend or yesterday, there was a shooting, people walking around the beach there somewhere, Broadwalk or whatever, down in Florida. Right. And, and a, a group of blacks, according to report, start shooting one another and everybody had to run for hiding. And I was thinking, this is, they defunded the police. They yeah. took the police out. That doesn't even make logical sense, right? They took right. the police out, and now they say they are. Uh, they want the citizens to put on little jackets and walk around like they are the police, but they can do nothing. <laughs> but, but but they defunded the police, and now the blacks are running around shooting everybody, putting other people's lives at risk, and nobody seemed to care about that. It just, I don't. It just. 
It's socialism. I don't I don't know any it other is. word to put. It is socialism. It's socialism to create chaos. Yeah. And chaos brings a heavy-handed authoritarian government from the top. I, I want to say one more thing about the schools, and there's something else here that uh, maybe we need to notice in the state of Texas, and that is in 2013, sponsored by Democrats in the Texas Congress, they voted to remove the police from the school system entirely. Yeah. So it used to be that the police officers were in the schoolhouses and they would issue tickets for foul language. They would issue tickets for disruptive behavior. They'd issue tickets for violence in the schools or destruction of property. Today, to, from 2013, sponsored by Democrats, as well as what is called the Texas Appleseed Project, which is a completely liberal, socialistic ideal uh, of organization. They have taken that out. They've put it in legislative, made it, put, uh, put it in legislation that police cannot do anything in the school unless there's someone's life in danger, someone's life, uh, someone's threatened personally. Like if you're being beaten up or I'm being beaten up, or a, a danger to a teacher or something like that, then only then can when there's bodily harm. So they remove the police. So now all discipline is left to the school administrators and the teachers. So what happens in disruptive classrooms? Well, just this disruption takes place all the time. What happens when they, when the t students tell you F you right there in the classroom Another, all the kids are laughing at it. Yeah. Can you do anything about it? No, you can't. You can't do anything. But they say, you know what? I'm going to put my head down and go to sleep. What are you going to do about it? Well, they blame the teacher for not being interesting enough. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And you can't call the police in. You can't get, and you send someone to the office. They send them back, say, that's your problem. So the administration is all about the, okay, that's, that's your classroom problem. You take care of it in your classroom. We're not having that up here in the, because so I've seen kids go to the office. They destroy the office. They, they, I, I, I've seen one, one girl absolutely destroy the principal's office by police officers, resource officers standing there saying, I dare you to touch me. I dare you to touch me. And she is destroying everything on the desk, the, the pictures and everything. And the principal had just wiping it out. And no one's doing anything. You can't touch them. And this is what... Texas Appleseed Project wants. They said, you've got to take care of it. No police officers can't touch them. Amazing. Your website, again, Bill, whatever you want to put out there. Yeah, the website is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, but the radio show is Patriotic Pulpit, Amazon Music app, as well as um, the Spotify app. Amazing. Bill Lockwood, Bill, I want the folks to support your work, too, and what you're doing, because... You're definitely putting the truth out there, and it's really needed. And uh, so I, uh, I want the folks to support you in what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for that, Jesse. Yeah. Appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bill Lockwood. Check him out. Amazing. Thank you, Bill. Okay, appreciate it, Jesse. Right. See you next month. All right, man.